in a career of 17 years, I, I left a lot of stability, <laughs> you know, it, we were very comfortable, let's put it that way. And uh, making that shift was pretty scary. But also, you know, what was scarier was the idea of all of a sudden another 10 years going by and me and my wife looking back thinking, geesh, remember that time when we had that idea about being a full-time family? Wouldn't have that been cool? I, I was more afraid of that conversation than I was the idea of actually, why don't we just try to live life a little bit differently and see what happens. And uh, so it's amazing what can happen in that place of what if, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what if, you know? And, and you sort of just, you roll with it. I mean, what's the worst that can happen, right? So do you ever envy those so-called hashtag couples goals? Well, you know, when you first fall in love with someone, you get butterflies every time you see them. You lust them. You're infatuated with them. You want to be with them all the time, like best friends. Do you want that to last forever? Together, let's discover what it takes to say a massive yes to all the above. Through our topical discussions, our world-renowned guests that will help guide the way to a happier, sexier, and fun-loving relationship. We're not doctors or therapists. We are just two normal individuals who have had many ups and downs in our 23-year relationship. And counting. We've amassed our own wisdom over the years, but we're still learning, just like you. Nina and I believe you can have it all and still live your best lives, as long as you're willingly and consistently discover each other in new ways. And that right there is what the show is all about. We're Nina. And Roger. And this, this is The, the Real show. show. Yeah, baby. Hello, hello, everybody again. My name is Roger, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Nina. You got it. <laughs> and we are the Head Over Heels Show. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> We've been having a great week. Beautiful weather, kids having fun, going to Wonderland, giving us some time by ourselves. <laughs> no, but, but where did July go? Like, tell me, I'm linked and July is gone. The entire month just passed by. So damn quick. I mean, I don't get it. It's so fast. Time time goes by quick when you're having fun. That's right. And it's been a really, really fun summer so far. We're not complaining. At all. At no, all. Com no complaints. We're still doing it 21 day, no complaints. Yeah, we're on day nine, baby. Day nine. <laughs> well, when the podcast comes out, it'll be like day 14 or something. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, we're still pushing. No complaining. We got smiles on our face. We do. We also have a smile on our face for another reason, not just complaining the weather is because TikTok is blowing up and oh. we are so happy to be here with all of you guys. And every week we see our numbers on the show go up and up and up. And we thank all of you who listen to it every week, but we want to give a special thank you to our TikTok listeners yeah. who I believe they're really driving our numbers up. There's one thing about having people who, you know, compliment you and like what you're doing. But then there's another thing to have people kind of be like diehard fans and, dis, and you know, they support everything that we do. You know, if I put something up and I'll say, share it, all of our TikTok fans that, that follow us on TikTok, that follow us on Instagram as well, they'll repost it. They'll send it to 20 people. They'll do everything to, that we ask them to because they want to see us succeed. They're like-minded people. They're like us. And I always say in life, you attract who you are. And I believe we're doing that with the show. We're attracting people that are like us, people that want to have an amazing life together as partners, have a, be great parents to their children, have a, an incredible family life. And have fun doing it 
the whole time. Absolutely. We always talk about growing together. And this is what the show is about, growing together as a family, as a partners, as life partners. Mm-hmm. And those people that are following us on TikTok and everywhere else are exactly like that. They want to have that life. And I always say, if you want to have a certain life, then you're going to emulate those people that are having that life. You're going to watch them. You're going to mm-hmm. follow them because energy is contagious. So if we're giving good vibes, good energy to you, that means you're the same way. So keep coming every week. Keep listening. But one more thing we'd like to ask of you guys is to rate our show a little bit. Give us a you know review or rate on Apple Podcasts because that helps our numbers go even higher. And obviously, the higher we go, the more people will help. We're actually up 56% this week, which is Woo-hoo! spectacular, spectacular. Right. We've been up every single week for the past month. I appreciate every single one of you guys that listen, the new, the old, the diehards, the casual listeners, whatever you do. I appreciate every single one of you, and I hope to God that we are helping you get to where you want to be. Speaking of which, we have a guest that uh, I had fun chatting with. I'm really, really excited Uh, to have this guest on the show today. He's a gentleman, which is, we don't have that many. We'll have couples or we'll have uh, a lot of women to come on, but this is a guy that is essentially talking about guys being vulnerable, showing their feelings and their emotions, and that's something I struggled with for a long, long time. Until I just essentially said, fuck it, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I don't care what people think, if they think I'm less of a man or whatever. And uh, I don't think anybody does. So it was all in my head. No, baby. So tell us a little bit about Dai. So really, really excited to have Dai Manuel on the show. Dai is a super dad. And what I love about him is he always says, I'm dating my wife. So he's a super dad who is dating his wife with that lead by example way of living a contagious personality who is on a mission to positively impact 1 million role models around the globe to lead a fun and fit life through education, encouragement, and community. Dai knows the struggles of the juggle, (laughs) and he keeps his health and happiness a priority. He models his work based on a five Fs. Yes, Fs. That's fitness, family, faith, and finance, with an overarching roof of fun. Yeah, baby. We're all about fun. Yes, fun's (laughs) our middle name. So without further ado, please welcome Dai to the show. Welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you here. And I'm so excited because I really want this for men out there to hear this because I heard your TED Talk and I thought, you know what? A lot of men don't know about this. And a lot of men are so macho and so hung up on themselves. I wanted you on the show because I wanted to explain why men should be vulnerable. So let's just start. Mike, who you are and what you do. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, there's just a loaded uh, question. <laughs> well, first of all, Nina and Roger, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to, to chat with you both. But also, I just love the fact that you two are so aligned and how you show up together. I think it's just inspiring for all of us out there in relationships. Uh, I've just seen what's possible, you know. So, so thanks for being great role models. Uh, that question, what do you do? Right? What do you do? I guess there's such a, a, an interesting question. My answer has varied and changed so much over the last 20 years, uh, but more specifically the last 11, uh, just with the trajectory, uh, the TED Talk, I know we'll get into that, but uh, there, were, there was a, a pinnacle moment in my life where things could have gone one of two directions. And I made a decision to go one direction. It's brought me to a lot of amazing places over this, this last decade. And I'm forever grateful for those opportunities and experiences. 
but you know, and I know we'll get into this, so I'm not trying to be cryptic, <laughs> but for those that are listening, it's not simple answer, but I did make a decision over a decade ago to prioritize things a little bit differently in my life because, you know, this idea of what do we do? I think it's, it's, it's a, an easy question to ask, but it's, also becomes a question that's really automatic to answer, right? I always like to lead in. I'm, I'm someone that's been dating my wife for 21 years and I'm a proud dad of two beautiful teenage girls, you know, like that, that really is, that's what I do. That's what most of my time goes to is, is those two elements, those two titles, right? Dad and father. Just to acknowledge the fact that you said, I've been dating my wife for 22 years. I mean, that is incredible. I love that. I love the, the way you put it. Go ahead, go ahead. No, Thank you. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of intentionality there, but but those are the titles that really mean the most to me. And, and then everything else is really just about how I just show up and choose to show up for others, for my communities, oh, hopefully for the world in some capacity, thinking that uh, hopefully this planet's a little bit better off when I leave it than it was when I got here. And uh, you know, that's, that's just sort of it. You know, I, I help people with transformations, changes, both uh, in their professional lives, but also in their personal lives. And uh really just try to help people align the two. Cause I think there's this idea of like, I, this is who I am professionally. This is who I am personally. And, and there's a lot of challenges for people to reconcile those two. I know I, I struggle with that for a long time. I used to put a lot more value in the professional side of things. That's where I thought everybody expected the title, the, the outside facing successes, right? Like just chasing ego, ego, ego. And then I couldn't figure out why am I getting, I'm achieving more successes. So I think, yet I'm not feeling fulfilled. I'm not feeling very happy, nor am I feeling connected with my own life. Mm. And it was like, oh man, something's got to give here, you know? And and uh, unfortunately, sometimes you have to get to rock bottom to realize that you're there. <laughs> and there's only one other choice, you know, but uh, that's another conversation entirely. So, but, yeah, I, a big ball of yarn there, huh? I'm that. <laughs> <Huge>. <laughs> oh. Well, I noticed that your book and a lot of stuff on your website, like your book is uh, Whole Life Fitness Manifesto. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot about fitness, not about your website as well. When I watched your TED talk, what really drew me to wanting you on the show was the fact that, like you said, you're talking about men being vulnerable. Like, you know, mm, you don't have to right. be so macho. And, and I mean, I dealt with that my whole life. I grew up with <laughs> biker type parents, you know, like my aunts, uh, uncles and all that stuff, cousins all in and out of jail. Like, so very, very macho kind of, nobody showed their, their emotions. None of them, right. unless, unless they were <laughs> drunk or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I, I get that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's something that, uh, I noticed about myself and since I turned 40, essentially, I cared less about what other people thought mm. about me showing my emotions. Like I've always shown them to her, but now I'll show it in public. I'll show it, you know, I'll say it on Instagram. I'll do it, you know, things that I didn't do before. But it's true that I, in the beginning of our relationship, which by the way, we've been together 24 years, I used to tell them, why don't you hug me? Why don't you kiss me more in front of people? Why are we more? And now it's like, I can't get them off at me. It's just like, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Oh, I man. Guess, I guess well, the older you get, the wiser you become. <laughs> well, I, I think we definitely become more in tune with what really matters. And I think it's it's less on the stuff and it's more on the experiences, the feelings, that emotional connection than it is the, the physical connection, you know, to a certain extent. But then that physical just brings it all together. But uh, just over six years ago, we opted to go minimalistic with our lifestyle. So we got rid of everything. You know, like really got, really got rid of it all as we were preparing to become more nomadic. You know, I left a career of 17 years. My, my wife left hers about a month after that. And 
a few months after that, we, we pulled the kids out of school. You know, both of them were quite young at the time, you know, just sort of in middle school or about to be in middle school. And mm. we thought, you know what, let's create a life where we can be a full-time family for a bit and see what that's like, have some experiences. So rather than focusing so much on all the stuff we've been amassing, why not just amass experiences? What would that look like? Right. You know, so that's sort of the place we came from. And it was awesome. A, a bit scary at times because we didn't really know what we were doing or what to expect. I hadn't really developed a business to support our lifestyle ongoing, but I had enough stuff going on as a side hustle because, uh, you know, leaving a career of 17 years, I, I left a lot of stability. <laughs> you know, it, we were very comfortable, let's put it that way. And uh, making that shift was pretty scary. But also, you know, what was scarier was the idea of all of a sudden another 10 years going by and me and my wife looking back thinking, geez. Remember that time when we had that idea about being a full-time family? Wouldn't have that been cool? I I was more afraid of that conversation than I was the idea of actually, why don't we just try to live life a little bit differently and see what happens? And uh, so it's amazing what can happen in that place of what if, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what if, you know? And, and you sort of just, you roll with it. I mean, what's the worst that can happen, right? I mean, the worst that could happen, we were going to run out of money and probably have to live in either my in-laws basement or my parents' basement for a little while while we reestablish ourselves because we're both right. employable, you know, like we both have talents where we, right. we have skills that are valuable. So we didn't, we knew we could always get another job, you know, did, yeah. but we couldn't get it, another experience, especially with our kids at the age that they were, we made some decisions and well, fine, uh, fine. I don't regret them. A lot of well, middle-aged with men and women in their forties and fifties, mm-hmm. they're, their biggest struggle and what causes a lot of this mental health is them dwelling on the what ifs. Right. What if I would have done this? And what if I would have done that? Like we just did our last podcast, we're answering some questions and there was a couple that they were in their fifties and they never had kids. And now they're Mm. kind of struggling with the fact that they never did it and they can't now. They had regrets for not doing it. That's a big, what if, you know, and you can't do that anymore. So, Well, Roger, you know what's super interesting, Roger, is that what if it is often comes from a place of regret, right? I I think that's sort of how we're conditioned with that whole what if, what if, what if. And but you know, if you're intentional with the questioning, and that's how we were, we were like, well, what if we started to live life like that? What would that look like? What would the day-to-day look like? What would our habits look like? What what would we need if we reverse engineer backwards from that envisioned outcome or this life that we want to be living? what are the steps that are going to get us there? You know, but you got to start with a big vision, right? And then you sort of have to reverse engineer backwards to figure out huh, how the heck are we going to get there? You know, and uh, you start just figuring it as you go. But to your point, that idea of regret, when I first discovered some of the work by a woman named Bronnie Ware, and I don't know if you two have heard of her, but Bronnie Ware, she wrote a book called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And what's super interesting is, you know, here she is in Australia She's a, a care aide that basically was a, an end of life nurse. You know, like she was tending to people as they were in those final stages of life. Yeah. Very often, you know, alone without family around, you know, and, and various ages, but most part quite elderly people. And she would just have great bedside manner and ask them questions. You know, is there anything you regret not doing with your life? And the craziest thing was, as she was asking these questions of different people, it was the same five questions that kept coming up for everybody. Same five. Yeah. And so she wrote a book about it. One regret that was very commonly shared was, I wish I'd lived the life that I wanted to live, not the life I believed others expected of me. 
like that one always hits home for me. You know, I'm just like, oh like, yeah, who's, I'm living, living this life, but who am I living for? Who am I living for? Am I living for me? Am I living for my family? Or am I living for my job, right? Am I living for the next down payment for some toy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I guess it's, it, it, it really put things in perspective for me. And uh, so this idea of regret is like, yeah, it's not a positive energy, <laughs> but it could be harnessed in a positive way to open our eyes to potential past if we don't take action. Yeah. If I don't take action, well, whose fault is that? That's on me, you yeah. know, that regret thing. Sorry, I, you got me off on a tangent. <laughs> no, no, it's great. Luckily, luckily, you figured it out early on, but a lot of us, a lot of people out there, unfortunately, are not as lucky, die, and they live their entire life living for someone else. And when it's time to go, you're like, oh, shit, I wish I had done this, this, that. But it's because of all these beliefs that we grew up with that we have to be a certain way to live our life, which is not true, which is why we do this show. We're like, listen, you guys, relationships are just like everything else. You don't have, it doesn't have to be a certain way. You can do your thing. We do our thing all the time. Like we live our life to the fullest, no matter what we do, where we are, whether we we have a penny in the bank or a million dollars in the bank, we're living our life for us. And that's what we hope for this show for other people to see is like, don't live for others, live for you, do you, you know, but I'm really interested to know, what did you do to change that? How did you change your mindset, your perspective? We've always been dreamers, uh, first and foremost, my wife and I, we always, we had no shortage of vision casting, you know, we could dream all day long, you know, about what life will look like, and, and what we'll be doing, what are some of the things that we want to be doing, you know, like, yeah, when we're 80, what beach do we want to be sitting on? You know, like, you know, like, like just, just those kind of conversations. And, and, but then life starts to happen, right? And, and, you know, we started having our kids. My company was growing. Uh, just life seemed to get more and more full. Mm. Not always with things that I knew I wanted or didn't want, you know, just sort of whatever. You, oh, there's something else. Make room for it. What you, what you start to realize is, you know, you're trying to make room for everything. You know, like there, there was this real fear of missing out, this fear that, oh, well, if I don't say yes to that, well, gosh, am I missing out on something? Well, I, well, I regret not saying yes. You know, well, so you start taking on more and more to the point where I, I started to feel very, uh, I, I guess, drained is a great way to put it, you know, but but emotionally, physically, spiritually, like definitely burnout. I, I experienced that a couple of times and was also diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, a chronic autoimmune disease, which uh, also plays into my health if I'm not careful, managing my stress. When things start to appear and challenges start to arise, I usually find that in my own life, and I don't know if you guys noticed this and those that are listening, uh, it's a great question to, to ask yourself too, is like when you become aware that there's something not working in your life, when you, when you become aware to it, it's like, oh, there's something here, it's limiting my happiness. It's mm -hmm. limiting how, my fulfillment. It's limiting me and living my best life right now. Yeah. It, it's very much like the tip of the iceberg, right? By the time we notice it, it's just the tip. There's a lot of other stuff that's usually been building to that moment yes. when you finally become aware of it. And that is something that I noticed. It, it would always have to get to that point where it was like staring me in the face. It's like, oh, geez, I think I, I think I better make some changes. You know, this is not going to be good. The Titanic's going to hit this. It's going to be ugly. Uh, <laughs> I know better than this, right? And, and we all know better. Yeah. We, we know there's certain things that we'll never regret doing. Like, I mean, has anybody ever, 
Uh, maybe you guys can uh, attest to this. You, you know, at the end of the day, let's just say you've had a good workout that day. You, you did something for yourself, for your own self-care. You did something very physical to get your, your sweat on, you know, just to, to show yourself that you, you care about your health and well-being. So you, you moved your body with some purpose. At the end of the day, you feel very satisfied that you did that. You never think to yourself, man, I really regret working out today. <laughs> you know, like I really regret having that salad with that cedar plank salmon at lunch. Oh, I really regret <laughs> having that. Like there's certain things we don't regret. Yeah. And then there's certain things that we always regret. And we're aware of it. We really are. It's just like the packs of cigarettes, right? It's like, man, it's like half the pack now is an ad showing really gross looking teeth or black lungs saying, you know what? These things are going to kill you. Literally. But we still do it, right? And, and this is just, I'm just trying to prove a point that the mindset thing, it, it's changes can happen in an instant as soon as we decide that we want to make some changes. But sometimes the build up to making the change, sheesh, it's slow and agonizing, you know, and it, it just takes time. And sometimes we have to be hit up against the head a few times and be like, why me? Why me? And then all of a sudden, at least for myself, I, I found that the walls started to break down and to the point where I started to break down. And, and I realized that I just, I didn't have healthy coping mechanisms anymore, yeah. which is really where the TED talk sort of took over because yeah. I learned to cope with a lot of my stress, my anxiety, my overwhelm, just because life was feeling very full, lots of responsibilities. And of course I'm the guy that's like, Oh, I can take on more. Oh yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like drinking just to sort of cope with it. Right. And, and uh, we all know that that's not a great way to cope with stress <laughs> and anxiety. And uh, obviously that compounded over time, which created a whole nother world of challenges for me. But, uh, you know, it, it's 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 OK. Sometimes you just got to get to rock bottom to realize, hey, you know what? I only got one more place to go and that's back up or under the rock. So right. uh, I'm going back up, you know. What would you break in point just to make a, a context for the listeners? Because a lot, like I said, a lot of men are struggling with this sure. as well. But don't know what point that is. So what was your breaking point when you realized, okay, shit, I'm done with this life. I got to change. For men in particular, you know, women too. Like I, I see this in women as well. So I, I, I'm not trying to be gender biased here, but I definitely noticed just based on the men work that I do and the work I've done for myself over this last 10 years, that we put a lot of stock, a lot of uh, value in identity. And identity is often derives a lot of value from our positions, you know, our, our careers, like for myself, it was always chasing the next title, the next accolade, right? The next sale. Like it was just this idea that I derived a lot of self-worth from that, mm -hmm. from my career. What was your career before? I was a founding partner of a brick and mortar retail operation called Fitness Town. And uh, so we, we had eight retail stores that sold fitness equipment, um, e-commerce all across Canada, as well as some manufacturing overseas. So, uh, yeah, it was a pretty big operation, built it to about eight figures a year. And um, but, you know, after 17 years, I just I, I hit a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. You know, like I'm not satisfied in life. I'm learning to cope with some of my stress and my anxiety, not in a healthy way. And here I am, someone that's in the health industry. I talk about well-being about thriving about all this stuff and yet i felt very much like a fake you know i felt like a fraud because i was great at helping others but wasn't great at helping myself yeah. and so it was a it was a slow burn what i mean by that it wasn't like one incident that was the thing that broke the camel's back as they say or the, the straw that broke camel's back but it built over about a i'd say about 18 months 
You know, things were progressively getting worse and worse. My habits were not healthy. I wasn't as present for my family as I once was because when I wasn't at work, I was thinking about work or I was trying to to push the thoughts of work out of my mind. And some of the easiest ways, well, I'll just have a couple of glasses of wine and I'll, I'll relax, I'll unwind so I can be here with the family. And, you know, that's the slippery slope in itself. And uh, so just, I realized that I just wasn't happy anymore. I was feeling, I was feeling depressed. I noticed I'm not saying I was depressed, but I felt depressed. So it's like, what do you do? Right. And it got to a point where, man, I went out for an all night bender. I just went all night and I still have no recollection how I got home the next morning. Um, But I do remember waking up on the carpet, (laughs) my face up against the slide on the floor, like literally beside my bed on the floor, Hmm. like, I, I don't know how I got there. My wife and my girls were already up downstairs and uh, it must've been close to noon, <laughs> you know, on whatever day it was and making my way down to the kitchen. And my wife was through her actions, you know, uh, she was unloading the dishwasher with a lot of passion. Let's put a lot of conviction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lots of passion unloading that dishwasher. Every dish was playing in. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell my, my wife's uh you know tinge of gin she's a redhead and uh she she wears her emotions on her sleeve and which is one of the things i love about her and she's not going to pull punches and like uh, most women <laughs> yeah well i i like to think that you know i like to think that and because I, I i know i have much i can learn from her and i have learned in her 20 plus years together as you two have learned from one another you know it got to a point i could see this look in her eye most of the time I was pretty good at sort of diffusing the situation. You know, I could be charismatic. I could be humorous. I could take something very serious and gloom and try to spin it. That was a defense mechanism for me too. you know, make fun of it, try to make light of it, try to move past it. And uh, she was not going to have any of it that morning. <laughs> it was like, no, this is not happening. And uh, she well, said, she confront you. Where were you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she she sat me down at the kitchen table and, you know, and it, the conversation opened up with her basically saying, Ty, you know, this is not a healthy environment to raise our girls in. Mm. Now, my, to give you some context, my girls were both under the age of six at the time. They were four and six. This is the craziest thing, because in her saying that I'm a guy with a lot of sales background, I can handle any objection, you know, no problem. I can deal with this. And all of a sudden, here I was, the sales guy in me is like, I can't handle this objection. I got nothing I can say. There's nothing I can say that can defend myself because she's right. That was really scary because all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what would a future look like without my family? Yeah. You know, Because that's what I was being faced with. She's talking about me moving out and we'd have to figure out a way for us to co-parent the kids. And, you know, she's having all these, just dropping all these things on me. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I, I well, I, I know I can't do this. Like, that's not what I want. That's the furthest thing from what I want. Right. Yet my actions wouldn't match that, right? It got to a point where, you know, here I was thinking, this is done. Mm. We're done. And I did this. This is on me. And a switch flipped. Like, it was, it's really hard to pinpoint it, Nina. Like, it, it was like, I think all of us get to that point at some point in our life where all of a sudden, you know, maybe we've been doing certain things a certain way. Right. And all of a sudden, it's just like someone turned the light on and all of a sudden what was shady or hazy, we couldn't quite see. Now we can see it clearly. And we can see that what effect our actions are having very clearly on our life right now. 
you know, like very sobering, pardon the pun, experience for me. And there it was. But that window, when it appears in front of us, we can either take immediate action or we can try to distract ourselves and avoid ourselves. I, I was pretty good at that. You know, like I was pretty good at saying, oh, I can see this. I know this is probably not the best, but I'll just, you know, I'll take a break for a week. I'll, I'll work out a bunch. I'll, I'll be fully engaged with the family. I'll, I'll be a super dad again. I'll be, right. I'll be great to my wife. Like I'll win them all back. Everything will be fine. And then after that week, I was slipped back into the patterns again, right? Yeah. And and I'm sure there's a lot of guys listening to this right now, like, oh, dude, that sounds like me, you know? <laughs> and it, it's just a, a pattern, right? And and a lot of those patterns are role modeled to me by some of the other men in my life. I just didn't know any better, yeah. you know? I made a commitment to my family that right then and there. I was like, listen, I, I basically pled for one more chance. And I'd done that a lot before, but this time it was different. It was like, no, I'm, I'm going to go one year without drinking. One year. I remember saying that to my kids, my daughters, who my six-year-old at the time, she she had a, a lazy eye, so we had to have these big prescriptions on her, big Coke bottle glasses, right? <laughs> and she's looking up from the couch, and I'm like, yeah, dad's going to go one year, uh, uh, no adult drinks. And she's like, oh, so no coffee? <laughs> <laughs> no pop, you know, like she's qualifying it, thinking that I'm talking about like pop and coffee. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like it, we had to explain what yeah. it was, you know, that I could have coffee. I could have that. And uh, so it was rather, it, it was kind of nice to have that levity, you know, to something that was quite stark and, and, and dark and, and gloomy. And, but I felt very confident in myself that this is it. This is going to be me. And this next year, I'm just going to figure things out. I'm going to break some of these habits that have obviously not been helping me. I learned in three weeks, the first three weeks, I can't do this on my own. And that's where I had to start to to really develop a a healthier relationship with the idea of being vulnerable. Mm. Just the idea. I I had to get okay with the idea before I could even be vulnerable. (laughs) I got to be honest. It's amazing how I had to reconcile everything. I had to rationalize it all. I had to have a clear path you know like i had to feel very safe very protected yeah. anyways I, I can go on i don't know if you guys yeah, can jive true. or relate that's to any of that men. but uh yeah, yeah that's, that's true for all men it takes a lot for men to be vulnerable and to, to get down and dirty pretty much with their own thinking because we're just built you're built differently than we are like we're easily can i can cry out easily tell them everything in my heart you know but for him it's harder for him to you know express that a lot of times so it's yeah. Great for you to do that. Guys have a harder harder time to express it, and girls have a harder time to tone it down a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you, Roger, why do you think that? Like, why do you think that it's so much more challenging for us men to practice vulnerability? Because I truly believe it's like a skill, like anything else. There, yeah. right? Like, I think it's just like being strong, right? Like, it's it's a skill. I mean, I think everyone's got it. But I'm curious, what do you think, Roger? I think it has to do a lot with your role models, what your what you. Like you said before, what you think others think you should be like. Mm. You know what I mean? So, like I said, yes. uh, you know, rough and tough father, rough and tough brother, rough and tough cousins. Yeah. I felt, okay, well, that's where I am. That's what I got to be. And, you know, you realize later on that you're not there. Mm. My dad passed away at 54, got sick at 46. When I was turning 40, I was, uh, or, uh, I remember just before I was turning 40, I was 39. I was thinking in my head, holy shit, that's not far away. Right. You know what I mean, I, I felt that my that's that that will be my destiny if I keep going the way I'm going. Not that I was anywhere close to what my dad no, was. No, no, close, right? 
uh, he barely drank. We yeah. barely drank at that time. Well, my dad was heavily into drugs and drinking and all that kind mm. of stuff. So he had a very different lifestyle. But still, yeah, I had a cousin that like that, and he passed away young too. Yeah. So I just felt I got to change. So we, you know, we jumped right into to fitness as you did. We jumped in hard. I wanted to be. I don't like to do things and take four or five years to get there. We went in just right away. I mean, I had a full out dad bod, no shoulders, no nothing. And we went to see a fitness coach and he put us, set us up for a fitness competition, like eight months nice. down the road. Wow. And, and awesome. Three of those just because I wanted to get yeah. there fast. You know what I mean? So yeah. we worked our ass off. We got there and, and it changed our life in terms of how we eat, how we yeah. present ourselves, how we dress, everything. You know, like it's, it's a totally different lifestyle. And all I wanted to do was get in shape. So, you know, like you're, that wasn't something that was in my life. So you got to see that there's other paths that you can take that you want to take as opposed to what society or family thinks you should be. <laughs> to get back to your question, guys, it's like, okay, boys from young age have been told, don't cry, stay strong, do this. It's like, no, let the freaking boy cry. He's hurt. He's scratched himself. Let him cry for that, you know? But because they were taught that way, boys grow up to have that mentality that they cannot cry. They can be vulnerable. They can be open with their emotions. It's all of what, how we were brought up. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're trying to change. No, no, no. This is not. Let's, let's forget the 1800 centuries. We're in, this is 2021. Let's get these boys to express themselves, their feelings. With, you know, Because that's what is happening in this world. Mm-hmm. But we got to get them to open up more. Yeah. Realize that it's okay, sir. It's okay. Yeah, you did a big change. I mean, I, I remember hearing somewhere where you were at 14, you were quite obese. Yeah. You decided to change your, your habits and lifestyle, right? So Totally. And I think we're used to seeing those kind of transformations, right? Like we are, we're, we're so conditioned to see the before and after photos, especially on the physical changes that people experience. Cause it's very visual. It's up front. We see it right away where sometimes the other changes like, that were achieved because obviously, you know, you saw improvements in your confidence. You saw improvement in some of your lifestyle habits, especially like how you eat, how you show up. I'm sure your energy and your sleep uh, all changed and improved, you know, the way you manage stress, like all the benefits. (laughs) (laughs) So you see, like you get all these great benefits from the act of just recommitting to your physical health, you know, and we can see those and we can feel those results almost right away. I mean, after one workout, you feel better. I always say I'm only ever one workout away from feeling better than I am right now. That's legit. Like the endorphins, the positive hormone benefit. I mean, you just, I can go on and on. And, and it's like, yeah, yeah science has proven all this stuff, but forget science. Just go do something and why don't you experience it for yourself? Because you, you can't beat that kind of knowledge, right? Yeah. The knowledge that we have from firsthand experience, personal experience, that's as close as we get to the absolute truth as possible, right? And, and you can't argue it. Well, this is how I felt after a workout. Well, I, I love that you true. said that yeah. because yeah. whenever a couple or someone asks me about relationship advice, oh, I'm having issues in my marriage or my relationship, the first thing I say to guy is like, do you guys work out? Do you train? If you don't, do me a favor, go train. If you don't want to do it together, just do it separately. Work out and then argue together. Because it's such a different experience. It really is. You're so much happier after you train. Like, so much happier. Well, you say, you don't. You never regret the training. And, and, and I never you thought that way in the street. You don't regret the good things that you do. You just regret this, the shit that you don't. <laughs> you too or having a few drinks before bed or whatever it is. So we were talking about four pillars before you were saying, like, the four walls. You have the family, faith, fitness. 
but I love what you said at the end and the roof is fun. Yeah. That's where, yeah. that's where I, I sit in, like where I told her before we got married, we're never going to, I never want to stop having fun. I want to have yeah. fun in everything. Yeah. I, do. I don't want to have, I don't want to get into uh, like a, a career that's so serious that I have to be embedded in it. Uh, you know, we both do real estate. We do it together and we do quite a bit of it, which is great. It's awesome. So, but we do it with fun. Like we have fun with everything we do. If it starts getting, uh, I've, not fun. I, yeah. You don't want to do it anymore. We've sent, <laughs> yeah. clients, we've sent clients packing because they were giving us way too much stress. Yeah, we we're just yeah. like, you know what? I'd rather not deal with you. And hundred percent. And these were big clients too. And I remember one time we were in San Diego and we were in a conference. He was on the phone, guy. He was so stressed out over this client. I said to him, "Drop him." He says, "I can't." I said, "No, you need to drop this guy." And this guy was bringing us tons of business. And he literally, when he came back. He talked to this gentleman at a meeting. He's like, I'm not doing business with you anymore because we don't want that kind of stress just in our life. You know, yeah. we have this short window in our life to enjoy. And if that's going to bring us stress, we don't want it, yeah. even though it's uh, a lot see, of money. There's the lesson right there. And for anybody that's listening, I mean, that is just a wonderful example of setting a boundary and then respecting the boundary enough to say no, even if it's something that we really want to say yes to. It, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's easy to say yes to the money. So you just say yes to that success, yeah. but it's like, what long-term yes are you compromising or what future yes? What are you giving up? That's exactly it, right? But but it's important to establish boundaries, you know, and then boundaries around your, your own self-worth and your own values and beliefs. Like, it's so critical because the clearer we are on those, the easier it is to say no, right. especially when it's like, no, nah, this, this really doesn't fit. This is not a fit for where I am and what I want and where I'm going, and being okay with a no, yeah. right? To really be like, it's okay. I'm not even going to think about it. It's like, we actually feel good saying no. Yeah. And that was that was something that was very new to me. And I still struggle with it. I'm not going to lie. You know, like when there's opportunities that come about, I'm like, oh, I want to say yes. But I'm like, why do I want to say yes? Is it my ego that wants to say yes? Or is it because I want to say yes? You know, and, it, and it's weird, right? But until you start having that kind of like awareness of yourself and sort of the choices and what prompts the choices, it's really hard to make changes, you know, yeah. otherwise you're just sort of just, I don't know, I would call it blind faith, right? You just yeah. sort of, ah, I'll just do it. And hopefully it's just going to work out. And I mean, I, I think that's a great way to, to live to an extent, <laughs> you know, if, but let's be honest, there comes a point in, And I think we all, when we really want something, and you make that your singular focus and you work towards getting it, the likelihood of you achieving it's far greater than as if you were spreading your energies across multiple things. I don't usually have people argue me on that. They, they usually agree that, yeah. And so it's being able to, to create the boundaries so you can focus your energy in the things that you've said are truly important. And so I got to commend you too for doing that and for encouraging others to do it, but also you're role modeling that habit. And the great thing is, is like, yeah, my wife and I, we still maintain this and it's not new. It's almost cliche now, but a couple that sweats together stays together. Practicing what you preach goes a long way. I mean, if you're, yeah. if you're sitting there telling people to do things, do things, do things, you're not doing them yourself. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not as believable. Perfect example is like, not just me. I mean, everyone I know always says, oh, when I have children, I won't raise them the way my parents raised me, or I won't do things the way my parents did. And it's like, Okay, but really think about it. Everyone that says that, I look at them, they're doing exactly what their parents did to their kids. So I'm like, so why aren't you changing then? Why aren't you changing the way you're thinking, the way you were brought up so you can raise your kids differently? Like, I am so conscious of that all the time. I'm like, okay, I don't want to do this. 
because this is how I was taught, but I can't stay with those beliefs. I can't teach my children differently. I gotta let them be more vulnerable, more open, more, tell me your, your issues. Every day they'd come home from school, I would sit there for an hour or two cooking dinner while they would sit on the island tell me their, everything they did at school that day. Because what's happening, they're school for eight hours a day. They've been taught by someone else. They're only with me for a couple of hours before they go to bed. If I'm not spending that time with them, talking to them, getting things out of them, I'm not raising my children, someone else is. So it's like everything else, it, it, it goes that way. So if we are going to change, we have to start with ourselves. Yes. Well said. Well said. <laughs> I love it. Before we go, I wanted to say, I want to ask you this uh, this question about, I mean, yourself, your, your business and everything that you're doing right now. Like, what is your goal or your purpose? What do you what do you want out of what you're doing? You know, the biggest thing I love to do is those conversations I have with people, like clients or, or just people in general that I get to meet at events that I speak at or whatnot. And uh, I love just seeing that switch in people's mind go from off to on as it relates to their own inner confidence and clarity in life. See, there's something super interesting because this may sound overly simplistic and sure it is. It is simple, but simple doesn't mean easy. And I just want people to take note of this. But clarity is first and foremost, probably the most important piece we need. We need to have a clear idea of what we want, where we want to go and who we want to go with, you know, or bring with us. (laughs) Right. Like we need clarity on those things. Now, a lot of times we don't create space to even have clarity about what do I really want for my life? You know, you, you ask the pr- very purpose-focused question. And it's a lot of people get very intimidated by that question. They almost get frustrated and they will either switch the conversation right away, the topic, or they may get a little bit snarky. That's, this is just all I've seen. And it's also because I've reflected on myself how I used to react. I would get frustrated because I couldn't answer. Mm. You know, and, and that's probably just a very male quality, <laughs> you know, very masculine. It's like, yeah. it's like why we don't ask for directions, right? It's like, oh, that means I have to admit vulnerability. I have to admit I don't know. And uh, so clarity, once we have clarity in life and work and, and just who we are and what motivates us, it, it builds confidence. Mm. And as we build confidence, it makes it way easier <laughs> to take immediate action because we know what action is going to now align best with the clarity and the confidence, right? So to summarize and just to be really to the point, when I'm working with people or I'm just creating content, my goal is to help people become more clear mm-hmm. so they can then feel more confident that they know the next steps to take. You know, and I want them to feel empowered. They can do this stuff on their own because they can. Now, of course, having a coach, having a mentor, there's extreme value in that. I mean, I know 100% I would not be here having this conversation with you if I didn't hadn't had the opportunity to work with some pretty amazing mentors and coaches in my lifetime. I know it. I just, I know. I know full on we would not be here talking to each other right now, you know? So there's lots of value in that. But I want people to know you can't rely on a coach and a mentor for everything. Right. They're there to support you, help you get more clarity and confidence, but you're still the one that's got to take the actions yeah. and right. keep taking the actions, right? You got to keep living your own life. He can't or she can't or they can't live it for you, you know? So that's sort of it. You know, as far as my purposes is to help people gain more clarity and confidence so they know exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it, but more importantly, why they're doing it. Yes. You know, so that's me in a nutshell. 
you know, and there's lots of different ways I do that. And I won't bother listing them all. <laughs> Are you offering in a course? Or you do I, I've got courses. I've got, uh, I tend to do more just one-on-one. I, I only work with a dozen people at a time. And, uh, yeah. but I go deep with those individuals. I got an extensive background in nutrition and fitness, uh, 26 years in both of those industries. And then on top of that, uh, I'm a neuro change master trainer. And uh, so it's all science-based to help people change and transformations, mm-hmm. but more specifically how to rewire the brain mm-hmm. to thrive rather than just simply feel like you're surviving. Uh, so I bring a lot of disciplines together and I help people, but then also my own business practices I've built online and offline businesses. Uh, I get pulled a lot for business coaching and consulting, okay. but I tend to do more of the holistic approach. So I, I look at the personal and the professional and, and I roll it all together. So it's, it's whole life, right? Fitness. Uh, so we talk about financial fitness, we talk about mental fitness, spiritual fitness, as well as the physical fitness. So back to your point, Roger, earlier, you're asking me about the whole life fitness manifesto. Yeah, there's fitness is there, but I'm talking about the whole life fitness, you know, being fit for life, right? Like yeah. being fit so you can just keep kicking butt and doing the things that you love and without having to worry that, you know what, am I going to be able to sustain this? You know, like you can sustain it for as long as you want to sustain it, yeah. but I don't want people's health to get in the way and then being like, I can't keep doing what I love to do because my health is failing me. That's not a happy place to be. And a lot of the times it's, it's preventable. Yeah. You know, that's, not my really that's, that's what I preach all the time. I'm like you guys, if you are healthy and if you're fit and strong, you can do everything. You can do it all. And for a long time, it's the number one. And it's not just, it's not just the gym. Like you said, you learn, you, you help with your mind, or what you, what you see out there, like what you're, you know, what you create, whatever story you create, what you see in front of you is what's going to change your path or yes. keep you from going into the wrong direction. If you're, if I mean, you're, vanity is beautiful. I love, you know, it's, it's great to see gorgeous <laughs> fit people all the time, but it's not just for that. Honestly, it's not just, just when you work out and you look good in it, that's how you look in your mind and the inside of your heart too. It's just, it works that way. That's how I, well, I, and I gotta, you know, Nina, what you just said there, I thought was really interesting because you're right. I think this is the my only negative of the fitness industry, right? After being someone that's been around it for so long, I have a very clear love and hate with it because a lot of it is very surface-driven, right? It's mm-hmm. aesthetic-based yes, or performance-based, yes. but not, you know, we're very quick to quantify, not necessarily qualify, right? Like, and what I mean by that is like, oh, that's how fast can you run a mile? How much weight can you, you bench or squat? You know, how high is your vertical leap? You know, like we're very quick, you know, like, oh, what's your number on the scale? What's your right. waist size, right? Like we, we like to attach numbers to everything. We like to measure it all, engage success based on that. But I'm like, if someone starts to sleep better, so they don't lose their temper in the next day when their kids are misbehaving, that to me is a much bigger success right. than them being able to do an extra pull-up on the pull-up bar today. And I think it's sometimes we forget to tie the reason why we go to the gym is for the time, not at the gym. Yeah. Right. You guys live that. Yeah. Well, I used to say as a personal trainer, and this is why I was, I had to get into equipment sales, Roger. I'll tell you straight up. I was not a very good personal trainer. I, I was the guy that would get frustrated with my clients and be like, come on, no pain, no gain. Like that's who I was as a young trainer. I was like, dude, what are you bitching about? Like, come on, suck it up, buttercup. Like all the cliches, I was that coach, right? And I would get frustrated with my clients because I couldn't empathize. I could not relate. I couldn't understand and appreciate to meet people where they were. And I put so much emphasis on the time in the gym rather than actually the stuff that they're training for. 
you know? And it wasn't until I put those two together that I started to realize, oh man, I had it all backwards, right? You got to start with what you want in life first and then figure out how fitness can support you to get there as well as stay there and thrive there. And as I say, you know, if I had a really good client, I might see them three to five times a week. So that's three to five hours a week I'd see them. That's still left about 163 hours a week where they didn't have me there. That's where everything went wrong. (laughs) You know, so I I started to ask myself, what can I do to support them in the other 163? We could sit here and talk about this for hours because I love, I know, I know, I know, aspect of it. I always say the same thing. I'm, I'm like, I don't work out just to look good. I work out because I want to be able to put up with my husband. I want to be able to put up with all the crazy clients I deal with. I want to yep. be able not to yell and scream at my kids for every little thing they do. It's all mental. It's all in my head. You know. Yeah, that's right. And, and the funny thing is, while we're at the gym, you're saying like mental fitness as well. While we're at the gym, 95% of the time, we're listening to a podcast or a TED yeah. or something. So we're also working out our mind while we're working on our body so that we can leave that gym pretty damn fit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you guys look great too. So it's uh you, you've clearly put a lot of work in and uh, good for you guys. Look at that. You guys look great. I, I love it. You're wonderful role models for what's possible. If you just make a decision to commit to wanting to be healthy in all areas of life, right? Absolutely. Like it's, but it all starts with one thing, you know, if it starts with someone just getting up and going for a walk every day, that's a great place to begin, you know, yeah. great place to start. And I agree. And, before we leave you, I mean, like I said, I love having this conversation with you for so long, but I will continue. But I wanted to ask you, before you go, one thing, I just want one advice you can give to the men that are macho out there that, you know, don't believe in vulnerability. What would be one advice for those, those guys? I would ask them probably a very similar question. You know, dads get this right away. There was a question that my wife asked me that morning at the kitchen table. And she said, Di, are you being the type of man you'd want your daughters to marry. Ah, still, when I think about it, that question, it's like, who was I role modeling back then based on my habits, how I was acting, how I was reacting a lot of the time? I wasn't being the kind of guy that I would feel very comfortable or more confident my daughters end up dating or Mm -hmm. marrying potentially. Like, I I mean, as a father that wants to protect their daughters, you know, as that guy, I was like, no, I would hate for her to end up with someone like me. And that was something that was awful to come to that realization. It was, it was, it was awful to be like, actually admit to myself that, geez, no, she deserves better than that. Way better than that. And so it really put things in perspective. It was like, well, if I wanted to be that man and truly role model that habit and role model what that kind of man can be and what they should be for them, who would I be? What would I be doing? You know? And so that became much more of a guiding principle, a, a guiding question, if you will. Am I being that kind of guy? And I realized that vulnerability was very much one of the skills I had to learn to get comfortable with. And I was like, hold this skill because you can work on vulnerability. Pick up, watch Brene Brown's TED Talk. She's done some great TED Talks on vulnerability, more from a corporate perspective. Right. But some of the foundational pieces there are very, very true. And specifically when she says, you know, vulnerability is not meant for shock and awe. We're not being vulnerable to be like, whoa, look at me. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like that's that's not the intentionality around. And if it is, I should say, if it is your intentionality around being vulnerable, I, I would ask you to have develop a healthier relationship with vulnerability because that's that's not really what it's meant for. Yeah. You know, it's meant for a way to connect. Yeah. It's a way to empathize, to 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 realize that we're not so damn alone. 
And the only way we know that is if we start opening up about some of the things that are alive and real for us, what we're working through, because as soon as one person shares, and this is the thing I've noticed with the men's groups that I facilitate, as soon as one man shares openly and honestly in front of other guys, he gives permission to all the other guys to do the same thing. And I find that it's always about the first guy, you know, first guy shares everybody else. It's like the arms unfold and it's like, Oh, okay. We can be real here. It's going to be okay, man. I got the exact same issue as that guy. Exact same thing here. I thought this is my problem. And I was only my problem. No one would understand me. So I don't share about this. I don't talk about it. I just try to figure it out on my own. Meanwhile, all of a sudden, and then you'll be around a table, be 20 guys there. And I've seen this happen. A guy shares something he's never shared before. And, and we have these hand gestures that we do to sort of show that we empathize or that we can relate to that because we've had a similar experience. I saw half the table put up their hands. Yeah. This guy was like just shocked. He was like, I had no idea there was other men out there that were dealing, let alone one guy, but 10, you know, it was like, whoa, mind blown, right? Someone still has to start. You have to start by practicing on yourself. So you, when you've given the opportunity to be vulnerable with somebody else and exercise that and to connect, you have to be ready. Yeah. So Find a safe place to practice vulnerability. There's men's groups all over. So if you're a man, you can. Uh, women, I find, are more in tune to this. They're already really good at being vulnerable and speaking to this. But for the men that I know and the men that I've met and, and the men I continue to meet, just find a great men's group. There's lots of them out there. There's ton. I host some. Uh, you know, me and uh, my friend, Nick, uh, who also co-founded Mentorship Mondays with me, you know, we, we've got four different time zones that we host groups online. So there's they're free. Don't mm-hmm. cost anything. There's no hidden agenda here. You just show up and you just... I'm to be connecting with other guys, you know, mm-hmm. authentically, honestly, openly, without fear of judgment. You know, it's yeah. it's a pretty big deal, but it's the great place for people to come and practice. You Amazing. Know? So all, all our men listeners, you heard him, go reach out to Ty <laughs> and he's going to help you reach your, the point of vulnerability, which I think and I believe every man needs to come to seriously to be to be able to live freely. And like you said, do things that you love to do. And I'll tell you something, after being more vulnerable myself, I get a lot more things that I want. You're more confident. By being vulnerable, I can ask for it. Yes. I can express it. I can say it. So things go my way a lot more than before when I had to try and fight it and hide it and well, listen, I love that. I thank you and I love you for doing what you're doing and bringing value to us and to everybody out there. Because, you know, let's face it, a lot of men do need it. So, <laughs> and women too. But like you said, we are a lot more outspoken. So, and in that, in that department. So, yeah, thank you for the, for your value, for, yeah, for everything you. that you do. We appreciate you. And I want to have you on the show again. And I want to talk just fitness. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm totally in. I'm down. You, you guys let me know. I'm I'm so in for that one. That'd be wonderful. That'd be great. That's my field. <laughs> but thank you both for doing this and for showing us all what's possible. I absolutely love it. I know that I had shared my uh, the, the link with my wife and I believe she's already uh, dove into a number of your episodes. So she's uh, loving it. I'm looking forward to you guys making it out here to Vancouver because uh, yeah. when you get out here, we got to hook up and uh, vice yeah. versa. If we're out in Toronto, we'll definitely look you guys up. But Please do do let us know. As Canuck to Canuck, thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please hit subscribe and give us a five-star rating on whichever platform you're tuning in from. It means the world to us to have your support on our show in this little mini way. (laughs) You can also stalk us on Instagram at Head Over Heels Show for more juicy stuff. If you have any questions, send them via email at us at hohshow.com or DM us on socials. Thank you for having us between your ears. And as always, 
We, we wish, wish you what we, what we have. We have.